Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hey, this is Power Card, aka Project Pat, and you're listening to the Baltimore Beatdown Podcast, the best Ravens podcast on the planet. That's pretty incredible. In fact, it's La Marvelous. Thank you guys. All right, welcome on back to another edition of the Baltimore Beatdown Podcast. It is Friday. October 9th, my name is Jake Luke, got a little three-man weave going here for you guys tonight. Spenny is still out with the COVID, uh, so, you know, best wishes to him, hoping he gets better soon. Sounds like he's uh, hopefully on the uptick here, but uh, joined by a couple of my good friends for a, uh, a joyous occasion here on a Thursday night, going to be recording this pod, got another little project they're putting together uh, right after this one, going to release same day, so a uh, lot going on here on a Thursday night. How we doing, boys? It's Vasily Larikos and Kyle P. Barber. Good to be back. Good, good to see you guys. Absolutely. Yeah, likewise. Cool. So starting off with the flagship show, like I mentioned, the Baltimore Beatdown podcast, that is, uh, you know, in case you guys are unfamiliar, just had to let you know there. But jumping right into it, guys, I mean, we're at the quarter pole of the season. That's why you're hopping on with me, because that is going to be the subject of the uh, next hour that we do here after this. But uh, as far as news goes, kind of an eventful, eventful week, wouldn't you say? A lot going on. Yeah, a little bit. So we had some stuff with Lamar that we're going to get into on the injury report. But today, my boy, Geno Stone was officially waived. And some speculation, Kyle, that this could be a move for either a Brandon Carr or a Tony Jefferson out there on the open market. What was your first uh, reaction to seeing this guy get let go, the seventh round pick out of Iowa? little surprised to see the Ravens release somebody so quickly. I haven't, I don't believe I remember any time recently that they've let go somebody uh, that they drafted same year, but that could be just not looking enough uh, up before the show. Um, Overall, if you don't think he's worth the roster spot, if you don't think he's going to pan out, there's no reason to keep him on the roster, even if he's just going to become a special teams player because the Ravens are talented enough to develop anybody into a special teams ace essentially that if you don't need the roster spot wasted why waste it what must be done eventually should be done immediately Voss what were your thoughts on uh, the stone man getting knocked out here Robert Myers I think was the last player drafted cut same year Quadzilla guard he was a fourth round pick right no I think he was a fifth or sixth Um, stone you know he great instincts right but we weren't quite sure how the athleticism was going to translate. A little undersized, not a very athletic guy. And that's kind of what you need on special teams. That's where you kind of put those athletic marvels uh, on special teams. Um, so, yeah, a little bit surprising to see. I think it's a, uh, a nod to Nigel Warrior, uh, a UDFA that I like a lot, perhaps, uh, you know, beating him out on the practice field. And I also would not be surprised to see Brandon Carr brought back I think you could add a little bit to the locker room and uh, supply some depth. If you have both he and Jimmy, who could both play corner and safety, I think you're really back to a deep depth in your defensive backfield. Yeah, Stone Warrior sounds like uh, some weird offshoot Disney movie that uh, they, you know, rated PG-13 and like nobody was really into it, didn't make a lot of money, even though they poured a lot into it. But (laughs) yeah, I mean, it's an interesting move. It sounds like he's going to be making his way to the practice squad, like you mentioned, Warriors down there as well. So 
They got some depth there, but they are a little light on DBs right now, which is why I was surprised to see the uh, move happen. But with Brandon Carr kind of ping-ponging in and out of Dallas there, looks like he's going to be back on the market here. I think that is the corresponding move that I personally would make. We're going to see what happens and what Carr wants to do. Uh, I think he might still have family in Dallas and stuff, so maybe he just doesn't want to come back across the country during this uh, these uncertain times that we find ourselves in. But it's, it's an interesting situation for sure. Uh, and I guess enough on that, moving on. Really getting the chance to flex my Baltimore accent shops here because it looks like Joe Flacco officially going to be getting the start this weekend for the Jets against the Arizona Cardinals. Voss, your boy, getting back in action. I almost feel bad for him behind the Jets offensive line with uh, Jameson Crowder as your best weapon. And uh, I guess Le'Veon Bell apparently may come back this week. I, you know, Flacco, he he, uh, he really loves the game. I don't. There's no other reason to explain why he's still playing. Believe it or not, I mean you the yeah, the word on him exactly. when he was here, like that's kind of kind of funny how that works. Yeah, but uh, wish him luck. Obviously, he won he won the Ravens the Super Bowl. Can't uh, can't do anything else but wish him luck at this point. Kyle, where are you at on uh, old Jersey Joe these days? Love Joe. Love what he did for the Ravens franchise. Hope he's successful in New York, but uh, not too caring on the matter. To be honest, <laughs> yeah. I'm just like like I like Joe. I hope he I hope he throws three touchdowns and throws three hundred yards. Uh, I think what we know about him speaks for itself, though. I expect him to be closer to the five yards and under on the yards per attempt marker and the uh, checkdowns, especially in his age and behind that team. He's not given the tools to success. So, good luck, Joe. Good luck, Delaware man. But I don't. Good luck. I'm with, yeah, like I'm with you guys. Like I, I love the guy for what he did. He doesn't especially move the needle for me these days. I was really, I was rooting for him in Denver, but it just kind of flamed out and sort of the issues that we thought maybe were situation dependent in Baltimore kind of reared their head there again. Looks like they have a chance to buck their head here again because it looks like this may be the worst supporting cast that he's ever been run out with, which easily, easily kind of saying something. Some of those receiving cores that Ozzy put together, it was. Almost like he was, you know, drunk at the wheel, you know, during the draft. He just refused to, like, pick a receiver in rounds one and two. But, yeah, it's interesting, man. I mean, I'm certainly not one of the Ravens fans that their entire personality is, like, still based on, like, Joe Flacco in 2020. I, you know, God bless him, but it couldn't be me. Uh, you know, it just seems like, a, you know, a little bit of a we've moved on. But it's okay. I, I'm definitely rooting for him. And this Arizona secondary eh, feels like they can be carved up a little bit. I mean, do they still have Buda Baker out? Because if so, maybe we should have picked the Jets in the weekly pick them. I, I mean, think it's, that's, I, it's not too late for you to score. I, don't think I know so, you want to do it. Pat Pete, Pat, they still have Pat Pete for sure. I think yeah. Buda's injury was supposed to be a long-term one, so maybe. Bounce back spot for Zona this week, I think. I yeah. Think we got to pick Jets, guys. I think we should go all all of us go in and rechange our picks in the weekly pick them. Shout um, out to, yeah, by the way, shout out to me being an idiot, not getting my uh, my hat in the ring on the picks challenge this year, but uh, a little busy with some of the stuff that I got going on here. So I guess, I guess it makes sense, but it would have been fun. I don't blame anyone but myself on that for not jumping on it. Boo. <laughs> it's okay. I would get smoked every single year anyway, so maybe it's a nice reprieve. It's like the one when you get kicked out of the fantasy league, and it's like, oh, yeah, I don't even want to play anymore. Hey, yep. <laughs> when you're 0-5 and you're, you, there's no chance of making playoffs. Well, I don't really care that much anyways. Who cares? You <laughs> fucking nerds. Just playing fantasy. I play real football. Real <laughs> football. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I guess that's all we got on news. You guys got anything else you want to throw at me before we jump into injuries here? No, that's all. I mean, we'll see what happens with uh, Tennessee. Um, that'd be a real shame if they give uh, Pittsburgh and Buffalo both a free victory. I, I really hope they don't don't hope they do that route. But they're gonna have to extend the season or or play shorthanded or something at this point because it's, it's yeah. So bad. sounds like the plan is for them to play on Tuesday night, uh, provided there are no more positive COVID tests. But with what they got going on over there, it sounds like these guys are just like having orgies or something because this stuff is just like spreading through their their organization like wildfire, and uh, you know it's. A serious situation. You don't want to joke around about it too much. Obviously, you hope those guys. I, I know Corey Davis was one of them that recently got it. You you hope they get through it okay and everything. But it does sound like they were kind of playing a little fast and loose loose with what was going on. Kyle, did you have any uh, any kind of takes on the whole Tennessee situation? It kind of feels like everyone does at this point. Frustrated. Just follow the rules, man. I've been wearing a mask, bartending for ten hour shifts for the past four months. I've been safely in my home. My girlfriend and I have not gone out and visited any friends at all 
since COVID lockdown happened. I haven't gone out to Denver to see my friends. I haven't brought them to here. I genuinely have been in my house at work or at school and all of that time, except for being at the house, I'm masked up, man. I follow the rules because I care. I just wish football players would do the same. Wear a mask, socially distance. That's our, that's our message you. to you for this episode. But yeah. And then of course you got the Steelers. I mean, I really liked Tomlin's, you know, message that, you know, we don't care. But then of course his little diva QB had to follow it up with, oh yeah, of course we get screwed. Like Big Ben, calm down. Like <laughs> <laughs> The guy is just such a diva. Like he's like John Wayne. Like people like think he's like this, you know, masculine cowboy, whatever. No, Ben, I, I see right through your little act. <laughs> true, very true. So I guess that is all we got on news. We can jump into the injury report now. Uh, unfortunately, kind of an eventful week on that front for the Ravens. A little bit banged up heading into this one. So they've been tweeting out the injury report the last couple of days to some uh, lukewarm reaction from the fan base. So today it came out. I'll just run through the list here. Mark Ingram did not participate, not injury related. QB Lamar Jackson, illness slash knee, which you never want to see a slash on this list to begin with, but illness slash knee is kind of, especially during the ongoing global pandemic, kind of feels a little bit weird, so did not participate today. Uh, Tyree Phillips, shoulder, did not participate. Brandon Williams, not injury-related, did not participate. Mark Andrews, thigh, limited. Tight end Nick Boyle, thigh, limited. Uh, Anthony Levine, abdomen limited, Chris Moore, thigh slash finger, another slash in there, sick, limited, uh, Marcus Peters, thigh limited, a lot of thighs, uh, Jimmy Smith, knee limited, Ronnie Stanley, shoulder slash hip limited, there's another slash, uh, Marquise Brown, knee full, Justin Amarabuke, knee full participation, maybe we'll see him this week. Broderick Washington, another illness there, full participation, and Derek Wolf elbow, full participation. So a little lengthy this week. That time of year, they already played four games, people getting banged up. I don't know. I mean, it didn't seem like there were any did not practice at all besides Lamar, or did I miss one? There was, I think Tyree well, missed. A Phillips, yeah. And yeah. The, other, the other guys were mostly vet days. Yeah. Lamar, I mean, I hope he practices on Friday. We're recording Thursday night here, obviously. Um it was a practice Friday, you raise an eyebrow, but until then, I think you were cautiously optimistic. Sure. Yeah, Adam Schefter reported that he missed uh, today's practice due to a stomach ache and also a knee injury, but that neither is expected to be significant enough to sideline him for Sunday's game against the Bengals, per source. As a guy with like a degenerative knee thing and uh, who got sick relatively often in high school, just tough through it, man. I did it. Oh, well, I never played, to be fair. He, he plays a lot, but, you know, just let's be fair. Nah, fun. man, you were out there throwing dimes, running for 150 yards a game. Don't 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 front. It's like the fish stories. They just it, the, My yardage and, like, stuff just gets bigger every time. But, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I did want to pose this to you guys. Like, in the event that something does happen here, you know, very much knock on wood, but in the event that Lamar can't go, let's get a percentage point. Zero to 100, how confident are you in old Bob G3 uh, against the Cincinnati Bengals? Put Sam Cook in there. That's what I said. Seven for seven. I mean, you know. Well, I mean, why don't we throw it on a dime, you know, like Trace McSorley? There huh? we go. What, what, what's up with Trace Unitas? Why, why, don't, why don't we want to see Trace Unitas on the field? We can and we should. I mean, that's the way <laughs> I would have it. And now look at the internet suddenly coming full circle in this story that I was well ahead of them on. But uh, listen, I, I'm happy to see people, you know, making the conversion over to the uh, the correct side of history here as Trace Unitas is officially coming into his own and may in fact be the second QB this week. Who knows? I'm down. Hopefully I'm down. not, but listen. I'm not down. I don't think it's I, I know you're not down. You tried to call I'm him the lead arm. Bass is not in for meme chat. No, we I did mean, we did we, not forget that you called him the lead arm last year. Well, I wish Huntley would have beat him out, to be honest. But uh if we put in the Ravens putting the Jets, I could understand. Yeah, okay, but I, I don't know. I don't think the Bengals are a team to take lightly right now. Not at all. I yeah. agree with that. Yeah, uh if it's actually RG three that has to play it's uh it changes that game from a to an underdog victory if the Baltimore Ravens were to win it that would be insane like I kind of think about like what would have happened if he had driven for a touchdown last week like you know he wanted to so badly that's why he like threw that ball up and like 
mm-hmm. caused an interception that uh, in turn caused a touchdown that caused a cover that caused the fan base to lose their mind about the fact that they didn't win by three scores. These these dominoes are just falling everywhere, and uh, it would be pretty sick for RG three to get out there and get himself a victory. He played I, well against Pittsburgh Week Seventeen last year. He did. I mean, it was mostly Gus Bus bulldozing for him, wasn't it? <laughs> honestly, honestly, I don't remember much of that game. I was down in Fed Hill having a a couple pops because that was essentially a bye week. Yeah, it was a must win game for the Steelers though, and they had a good defense. One of they, the best they played okay. I mean, they were yeah. they were rotating like Duck. At, I don't. I think Rudolph might have been hurt, but they. I think they had Duck in there at certain points. That was a weird day for me. It was like raining and stuff. I lost one of my friends, uh, who was. Not in a state where being lost was okay, so I was kind of focusing on that a little bit. He's fine. He, Indeed. Yeah, he's doing okay. Um, but, yeah, I mean, any other concerns as far as this injury report? I mean, kind of lengthy, but plenty of you guys practicing. I mean, through Don't it, like so. that Mark Andrews and Nick Boyle are full, both feeling a little bumped up. You know, uh, I bet both those guys don't want to be missing any practice time, and being limited by both of them probably means that they're both kind of banged up enough to where they don't want to – be in full contact and they're they're so heavily relied upon by the Ravens offense in both the run and passing game that it's a little bit nervous, it's a little bit worrisome, but we won't know how severe you know how severe it is until Sunday. That's the interesting part about them carrying two tight ends this year when they've been traditionally just so tight end heavy, not even like in the Andrews Boyle pairing, which has proven to be probably their best in franchise history for at least a long time. And they just kind of decided to go, you know, roll with two this year with Hayden Hurst gone. I get it, you know, get a little more modern, a little more sleek, a little more, you know, smaller, whatever you want to call it, small ball, and get rid of that third tight end. But if they both are, you know, dealing with something, then you kind of don't want to be missing that element of the offense in what is ostensibly a very run-heavy offense. And, uh, you know, maybe maybe this is my, my, my take is to get Miles Boykin a little more run at tight end. What do you guys think about that? Not a bad idea. Or maybe one of the running backs can play tight end. They have plenty of running backs. Oh, they sure do, I, which you love. We we all know that. <laughs> get Ricard into the bulldozing tight end scheme. Get Miles Boykin some more passing attempts. Let's get, well, passing receipt, well, targets, whatever. Uh, you crush it. Yeah, I'm down for it. I'm down for it. Yeah. I would see Matabuike make a debut. That'd be, I hope, I'm hoping he's going to play this week. Yeah, he's been, I think he's missed every game so far, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so third round pick and uh, a guy that they really do want to add some juice to this pass rush so that it hasn't looked great. I mean, I wouldn't say it's necessarily lacking, but just not enough consistent rush and, uh, you know, the woes about not being able to get there with four are, are very valid, despite the fact that I think some of the issues may be a little overblown, but uh, just getting another horse into that stable there will be really big. Definitely. So I guess that is all we have on injuries for the Ravens side for the Bengals. Uh, pulled this from Marissa Contapelli at Bengals Marissa, who I think is just the team reporter over there. Uh, did not practice John Ross due to illness. He's the only one. Uh, limited was Mackenzie Alexander, the cornerback with a hamstring, Geno Atkins, shoulder, Marcus Bailey, neck, Joe Mixon, shin. Interesting. He had a massive game last week. Jonah Williams, shoulder, full participation, Carlos Dunlap, who's just resting, Darius Phillips, just resting, and Logan Wilson, concussion. Anything standing out there? Uh, Atkins is the big one. He hasn't played, and he's their best defensive player. But I think he's on track. Or he may have gotten in a little bit last week. I know he didn't start, but he was he was game time decision. Ross is no big deal. He didn't. They haven't even dressed him out the last couple of weeks. They have so many receivers. Yeah, I'm all for uh, Geno Atkins getting another week of rest on that shoulder. That's for sure because he's one of the few players that seem to have Marshall Yonda figured out. Uh, it was it was very similar to it was a rotation of Suggs would always be able to beat Joe Thomas and Geno Atkins would always be able to beat Marshall Yonda and Andrew Whitworth would always shut down Suggs exactly right. Andrew Whitworth would always shut down Suggs yeah it was this weird triangle thing and uh, it's most certainly something that I don't want to see Geno Atkins I would strongly appreciate him getting another week rest on that shoulder but especially with uh, What's going on at the uh, at the right guard position? You know, is Tyree Phillips going to be able to play? Is DJ Fluker going to have to hop in there? According to Jeff Zrebic from the Athletic uh, earlier today, Dustin Cox from Baltimore Beat Down like messaged him like he wants to see Fluker at right guard, and he and Zrebic responded that he probably even still with that wouldn't see snaps at right guard or start at right guard if Justin Matabuki, excuse me, if um, 
Tyree Phillips wasn't to start there. So I'm really curious to see what's going on in that position. Yeah, it feels like it's one that they're kind of still tinkering with and still figuring out, which makes sense. I mean, you have a guy like Yonda who was there forever, and it's just every single year you just plug in and play him at right guard, and maybe he takes snap at right. Ta- he takes snaps at right tackle when there's a vacancy there. I know he did that in 2014 a little bit, which is fine. But like he was there forever, and like you gotta you gotta figure it out a little bit. And there's some I think some trepidation about that side of the line uh, as far as Phillips is concerned, as far as some of the guys they've rotated in. I'm personally like feeling okay about it. Like he's shown, I think he's shown me enough in both his attitude and his play on the field that. He can develop into something, and at that point, it's just about getting him out there, letting him play a little bit, letting him get some uh, dirt under the fingernails and make some mistakes. I don't know if you guys feel the same way. I agree with that. I think the offensive line, I mean, they haven't been dominant, but they haven't necessarily been the reason for the offensive regression either. they still one of the best top five, if not top five, definitely still top ten in the league. There's a lot of teams running out some shoddy-looking offensive lines uh, namely the team that's on the docket for this weekend. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Teams are still probably heavily jealous and envious of the Ravens' tackle situation, both at the left and right, well enough to be a top-half team, if not at least top 10, like Bass was saying. Yeah, and I so Ronnie Stanley's still on there at limited participation. Obviously, he was out last week, and you know they kicked over Orlando Brown to that left tackle spot. That's another interesting storyline, I think, to keep an eye on because a lot of the people I know, Voss, I don't know if you're still on this train. I know you were for a little while that Stanley maybe not worth investing in. I don't know. Is there anything to the idea that maybe you give him rest another week and let OBJ take that uh, the run on the left side? What do you think? Um, you know, I don't know. I I thought it was worth considering at least. You know, with Lamar, left tackle isn't as valuable as it is for a statuesque quarterback like a Flacco per se. Um, so who are you going to pay, right? Do you have enough money to pay everybody? But I think Lamar has maybe his pocket presence hasn't been as, as strong in the 2020 season as it was in 2019. Um, so I think you make Stanley a good solid offer, but I don't think you make him necessarily the highest paid offensive tackle in the league. As far as sitting out or not, I thought OBJ uh, played well last week at on the left side, on the blind side. And I think they're going to be challenged by this Bengals defensive front, whether it is Stanley or or Zeus Jr. playing. Carl Lawson, who doesn't even start for the Bengals, gave Stanley uh, a little bit of trouble a couple years back. Um, And they have four strong D linemen across the board there that can really get after the passer. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of – Oh, yeah, like just you saying that reminded me of Carl Lawson just completely blowing them up. I totally forgot about that game. Maybe I blocked it out of my memory, but that dude is uh, pretty legit. And I do think uh, Orlando, I almost called him Odell because of the OBJ thing, which is, uh, you know, let's come up with a new nickname. Uh, but I do think Orlando had a really good game against uh, some absolute dudes on that Washington defensive line. Do you agree, Kyle? Uh, first, he already has a nickname. It's Zeus Jr., we should just be using this, and I hate that OBJ is a thing at all in reference to him. Orlando Brown Jr., I get that it has the same initials, but OBJ was clearly Odell Beckham Jr. I disagree. Before this. No, Odell Beckham Jr. is ODB. No, it's not. It no, has to be not. ODB. He has o- the same personality o- as the guy from Wu-Tang. <laughs> no, he's not worthy of ODB. That's why I don't <laughs> let him have ODB. He's OBJ. He's OBJ. And Zeus Jr. is Zeus Jr. I wish he'd like Hercules, but I guess he doesn't like that one. So we'll just have to stick with Zeus Jr. But Orlando Brown Jr. Yes, that's the nickname. What was the original question? Listen, for a guy with the name uh, Kyle Boober on Twitter right now, I got to give you all the credit for your ability to come up <laughs> with nicknames. You. So, yeah, uh, you like that? You yeah. like that? Oh, everyone loves that, I'm sure. You know, love. I, I split it up this time. I put, the, uh, I put the ghost in the middle of it so it separates it. So it's Boo. Good. All right. Well, listen, <laughs> listen. You might have been trying to send some some signals there to people. I might have had to get in touch with uh, Miss Allie. Hit the DMs, bro. Slide up in my DMs. But uh, yeah, question was, how did you feel about uh, Zeus Junior's play against this Washington defensive line? I think he did all right. Uh, pretty happy that Chase Young wasn't out there on the edge, making life a little bit more miserable for everybody on there. That could have been uh, a game but, changer. Yeah. Yeah, but if you argue, well, if Chase Young would have been there. You can also argue, why wasn't Ronnie Stanley there? So the arguments are the arguments, and overall, he played well. 
He was proficient, and I'm still saying we need to, the Ravens need to pay Stanley. But I'm also on the train that you can't pay him top dollar. You can't afford it with a Lamar Jackson contract impending with uh, nearly what half a billion dollars, like Patrick Mahomes earned. No, he won't get that. But he's certainly going to be up there. He's going to be at least higher than Deshaun Watson's contract. So. We'll see where it lands, and you're going to have to save money somewhere. And if Jackson can avoid tackle it, getting hit, if he can create better pressure, that's where you got to go. I'm going to go Tony Reale here, boss. It's your turn. My turn. Thank you. Thank you, Jake. Uh, I think with uh, Stanley, you, you tag him next year, no question. But there's nothing wrong with letting him prove it. Make it prove that you're the best left tackle in the league two years in a row, three years in a row. Prove that you can stay healthy. You know, he, he has missed a handful of games. Worst case scenario, you tag him. You can't come to an agreement. You could probably trade him for two first-round picks. And you, and you also get the salary cap space on top of it. So it is something to consider. He's a very good player. I think he's probably the third-best player on the team. But that doesn't necessarily mean you want to pay him $24 million a year over six, seven years. Yeah, you're a positional value guy through and through. And uh, I, to what to that point, I think Eric is always looking for opportunities, avenues to improve the team or improve the team's uh, – you know, capital to go out and uh, improve it in different ways via the draft or whatever it is. But you mentioned getting traded for a couple first round picks. I did want to touch on uh, old Billy OB finally getting the boot down in Houston. What do you guys think of uh, that whole situation? Because it feels like, especially with the style of Deshaun Watson's play, it feels like that uh, our man Greg Roman could potentially be a target down there. This was something that I argued with Kyle Posey of of uh, Niners Nation. He's a producer for podcasts over at Niners Nation of SB Nation. He spoke about how Greg Roman probably wouldn't be a good fit because he said, just look what he's done with Lamar Jackson. Uh, kind of flamed him on Twitter about that, and Spenny showed up and, and s- dropped all the stats. But he absolutely would fit in that scheme. He would be able to incorporate his system and make Deshaun Watson's life easier. He would be able to work on a run game that doesn't have David Johnson going for three yards in a cloud of dust. He'd be able to incorporate better, uh, just a better ideology and philosophy in, in getting them and moving the football down the field. He has experience in not having that many successful wide receivers in a decent run game and a mobile quarterback that can get the ball down the field and score 30 points per game. That's what they've done in every game outside of the KC game this season. I think Greg Roman would be an excellent fit for them. I hope that he doesn't go because I'm tired of every single season. One of our staff members writing a new OC job available for the Baltimore Ravens after blank got hired by blank team. It's getting old. Joe Flacco had how many OCs in his time, you know, in, and it was all down to whether or not Gary Kubiak was going to sign again. And then he was, and then he wasn't, and then he left and became head coach. I think this is something that needs to be done is uh, securing Greg Roman as uh, as OC. And I really hope that the uh, Texans go with Eric Bayanaimi instead. Be enemy. Voss, you, uh, you're always talking offline about how you think Bill O'Brien is so underrated, one of the best coaches and uh, GMs <laughs> in the NFL. So a word on you know some of your thoughts on this whole situation. I'm sure you were really broken up about it. Slander, slander is right there. Uh, O'Brien, no, obviously he's not. I can't understand how he made some of the trades he made and the moves he made. As far as an in-game coach, he wasn't terrible, but he didn't have the horses this year, and that was his own fault because he traded them away and traded picks away for people he didn't he couldn't utilize. Um, although they had the hardest schedule, first three games, and then he lost the fourth game. I just don't understand how the ownership group there allows him to trade away uh, Nuke Hopkins and then only lets him get four games into the season and then fires him. Like, why not put your foot down when he's trying to trade your best player, second best player? Or if you're going to let him give him a little bit more rope, if you're going to give him some, give him a little more. I don't know. A lot of, lot of really weird stuff to unpack going on in Houston. I mean, you've had the ownership change there with Bob McNair obviously passing away a couple of years ago. His son, Cal, just recently took over. So maybe he's just kind of like, whatever, Bill, just do what you want. I really don't want to like have to deal with it right now. And maybe that's you know where they get going into last offseason where he just doesn't feel like making a change necessarily. And I get it. Like To your point, he I think he did prove himself to be a pretty good X's and O's coach. I want to say it was the Pick 6 podcast that I was listening to. Friend of the show, Will Brinson, was talking about how he kind of, O'Brien that is, kind of reminded him of Chip Kelly in his run in Philadelphia in that he proved himself to be a good X's and O's coach that could win some games, but then he sort of turned into Icarus and flew into the sun taking over as the uh, the GM uh, capacity, making all these weird personnel decisions that cost him. I mean, 
People look at that DeAndre Hopkins thing and kind of tiss a little bit, understandably, but he traded Jadavian Clowney for like a third rounder the year before, and that's kind of being overshadowed at this point. So some really bad general manager moves. And also just this weird, like, cantankerous dude. Like, back when he was with the Patriots, he got into that really, like, public fight with Tom Brady that got, like, captured on cameras and stuff. He uh, went out of his way to make sure that they signed Brock Osweiler, which, by the way, probably not a great move to begin with. And then apparently they're fighting at halftime of a playoff game. Then, a couple weeks ago, apparently, he and J.J. Watt get into a fight about, like, how J.J. Watt thinks that he's, like, not the right guy to lead the uh, the team forward, which, uh, shout out to J.J., because it seems like he was probably correct on that one. Just kind of a, I don't think he's a bad guy, but just sort of a weird sort of leadership, uh, you know, philosophy that he brings. And to the point of Roman, I think Roman just strikes me, and maybe I'm biased as a fan, but just kind of a normal dude who puts me at ease which feels like they could probably use some of that in their locker room right now as maybe, or as could somebody like be enemy possibly. It's a double-edged sword because if the Ravens accomplish the goals they want to this season, Roman probably is gone. But if they come up short, then maybe Roman stays, but then they came up short and he was part of the reason why they did. Um, but I think O'Brien, he would be a perfect uh mid-level Big Ten head coach for the next 20 years. At like Penn State, for example? Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, well, that's a little bit lower than I was thinking, but pretty much. Okay. Kyle, you're grinning ear to ear down there. I mean, it's just a shame that such a great GM who trades away uh, DeAndre Hopkins for such little value, for Jadevian Clowney for such little value, and saves John Elway's career as a general manager because he signs Brock Osweiler for $16 million when the Broncos were offering him, I believe, $14 million. So he looks like a genius that he walked away and he didn't have them sign. But O'Brien had too much on his plate. Uh, I was listening to around the NFL, and they were talking about how the – they were recently asking like a coach who was like, yeah, where, which hotel are you wanting to stay at for the game? He says, why the hell are you asking me? Well, that's because you're the head coach. All those small, minute details that go into being a head coach like are taxing on anybody. And to also take the full brunt job of becoming general manager as well just does not make sense. And it clashes with what you're trying to do as a head coach. As a head coach, you're trying to win games and you're trying to win a season. As a general manager, you're trying to be successful for the long-term future and make all the best moves for your franchise going forward in the here and now and also in the future. And he's incapable of doing that as a coach and a manager. And I don't think he'd be successful as a GM solely but he has decent success as a head coach, I think. I, I, I think it's he's proficient. He's adequate. He's better than most of the coaches in the NFL, I'd assume. Yeah, yeah, I, I would think so. I mean, he made the playoffs however many years with uh, some of these jabronis at quarterback. I, I actually used that term in the dossier a couple of year, uh, weeks ago when the Ravens played them. Got roundly yeah. flamed by somebody in the comments for it, which you can F off because uh, that's... I left it in. I edited that when I left it in. Good. I thought about <laughs> I, I always know because you're always getting my, my little jokes and quips out of there. I, I, I got to keep an eye on you. But yeah, somebody uh, somebody wasn't too uh, impressed by that. But they can they can screw off because that's a good term. But yeah, he did do a nice job as a coach initially. But power just kind of got to his head. And there was uh, some weird stuff going on in Houston with Rick Smith, who was the old GM. He wasn't doing a great job, but he had to leave because his wife had a health situation, which is like really unfortunate. You like pray for him with that. Uh, and I think that was kind of the crux of o'brien becoming gm so a little a little bit of a, a strange transition of power there but now he's being transitioned out and uh cal mcnair has gotten rid of him but i guess that is enough on old billy ob if you guys are ready to jump into this week's preview i'm ready to jump into what you're wearing you got the you got the camo going on were you out hunting earlier were you getting some squirrels buddy what, what's going on here yeah, I was out uh, hunting for swag, and I found it with this shirt. You so. found nothing, my friend. <laughs> it's it's officially Carhartt season, so I do not want to hear it. It's Carhartt, but it's camo. I'm not a camo guy. That's why I think camos. Uh, it, it just doesn't suit me, so I just don't think it suits me. That, that's totally a mindset uh, thing. Like I used to think my, that yeah, way, and yeah. that, no, it's like yeah, just like you know, have, have no, a, no, I'm, just put I'm out a vibe, and you can wear I anything you camo want. On everybody, I don't think it looks all that good. No. I just wanted to tease you. I knew Vass would get a laugh out of no, it. No, he know he's on my side. He he's a guy that knows that it's the uh, the man that makes the clothes, not the other. I do. Oh, I do have a few a few camo articles in my closet. I have to admit, Kyle. 
<laughs> That's a yikes for me. That's a yikes for me for sure. I'm not. Well, a that's because you're out west. Because for you, every you're surrounded by it all the time. For Jake and I, it's a novelty. <laughs> you're right. You're if right. you drive 20 minutes to the north of me, it is not a novelty. But 20 minutes to the south, and people wouldn't even know what I'm, you know, actually wearing. So it's a it's an interesting spot that I'm in, and um, I'm happy to reap the benefits of both. Isn't it great to talk about a uh, a visual experience through an audio medium for listeners? Isn't that really a clever? That's that's a way to garner an audience, right? Listen, we can clip this off and make this a social clip this week if you want. Because yeah, we're shout out to me for not live streaming this one because I need some uh, some production, uh, uh, you know, some patience to be had with that for this this particular version because we're doing two different shows. But uh, I can in fact clip this off and make this the. Twitter clip that we tweet this out with the show. I, was, I, just had to, I had to take a pop shot here, man. I just had to take a pop shot. All right. Listen, <laughs> you know, coming from you, on, it's not surprising. So, what's next on this schedule, man? Next on this schedule is the Cincinnati Bengals. <laughs> Where are you guys at with the Bengals? What do you think about them coming into this game? I think they're uh, improving. I, I don't think they're that far off talent wise. And I think that, uh, what is it, 13 and a half? I think that's too many, too many points. I think it's going to be closer than that. Kyle? You think that the game is going to be closer than the Washington game? I do. In Baltimore? Absolutely. I mean, no comparison quarterback-wise, right? Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I don't know. I mean, Ravens are still trying to find their offensive gear, and I think this is the week that they do it. And this is probably the game where they hit a few more touchdowns and rookie quarterbacks against the Ravens do not thrive. They get hit with such complex blitz schemes and packages that it makes life hell on them. You know, inexperienced quarterbacks struggle against the Ravens. We've seen it year after year. And this is the kind of game, especially with a not with an offensive line as porous as the Bengals offensive line that. Joe Burrow's great. I think they have completely found the quarterback that they need for the next eight plus years. But when you're going to get hit as many times as you are, you're going to guess and you're going to guess wrong on the blitz scheme that Wink's dialing up. Eventually, it's not going to be successful. It's going to be very painful, and it's going to be a learning experience. I don't. I think. I think the Ravens win by 14 plus here. And I was. I was on the fence, but I just that offensive line does not look good, and the Ravens are just week after week getting hungrier for a sacktastic game. They're hungry to score a bunch of points on offense and hit the deep shots. I think this is the game they finally pop off for it. Isn't it funny being a Ravens fan in 2020? Because we're sitting here talking about how they're trying to find their stride offensively, and they've scored 30-plus in three of their four games. High boiled. High boiled, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely spoiled. I keep going back. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess. Like, I don't totally disagree with you for the record. It's just, like, funny how that how that kind of narrative is flipped. Like I, I think I made the comparison on the last pod that if they had had a win like that in like 2017, like we would be singing like hymns and like of Joe Flacco. Like this is incredible. <laughs> this, this offense is the greatest thing we've ever seen. Like it's, in, it's amazing. Like, what is this? Like the quarterback ran for a 50 yard touchdown, like three total. I don't know. Like well, if Joe runs for a 50 yard touchdown, that's the greatest blocking of all time. Well, listen, he, in his very first start, actually, he uh, had a long touchdown run against the Cincinnati Bengals. So bringing it full circle back to Joe Flacco and long rushing touchdowns for a QB. Interesting little uh, tie in there. I mean, Joe at his age in 2017 would have been hilarious to watch him hit him sprint or trot 50 yards at six foot seven <laughs> also with a surgically repaired acl and a uh, back of a 50 year old but yeah that, that would have been something to watch the 120 million dollar man actually piece together like the six million dollar man you know making that happen but yeah i mean it's it's interesting i think what's cool about the Bengals this year is that they were the worst team in the league last year obviously they got the first pick and I'm already kind of considering them frisky. Like when you call a team frisky, right. like it usually means they're bad, but they kind of have a lot going for them. They look frisky through the first four games. And I did a little bit of a uh, crunch tape watch session of their uh, game against the Jaguars right before we started going here, working on the dossier. And uh, they got some weapons on this offense, man. But I guess we can get into that and we can also get into Joe Burrow. Kyle, you mentioned you think they got their guy. I'm of that opinion, too. I was a huge fan of his at LSU. He's really playing up to par, I think, uh, and probably better than par for even a 1-1 you know, quarterback. I mean, 
it's not easy to do some of the stuff that he's doing a couple of years into the league, and he's uh, looks like he's acclimated so far. Voss, what's your uh, your take on uh, old Joey B so far? I wasn't enamored with Burrow coming out, but he has uh, exceeded my expectations. He's not your average rookie. I think he's a little bit of an outlier. He's, he was an older prospect coming out, and I think that helps him with uh, you know processing the field. He's so cerebral. He's accurate. He kind of, a, I think, a, a reasonable comparison is Drew Brees. And that's why I'm not quite sure that, you know, Winks, um, what do you, you know, just blitz, blitz him, blitz the rookie quarterback into submission is necessarily going to work as well on him as it has on others. And that may not be the best strategy in this game, but the offensive line is not good. Uh, Jonah Williams returned from injury. He has, I guess, stabilized the left side a little bit, but that right side with Hart and Redmond. Uh, I think that's really the area to attack. Uh, and, and we need more pass rush. The Ravens need a lot more pass rush, I think, from the defensive line. That was something uh, that was supposed to be improved with Calais Campbell and Derek Wolf replacing Michael Pierce and hasn't necessarily materialized to, to a great extent so far. Yeah, greatly disappointed in that. Uh, we'll definitely be talking about that in our uh, second show, which – you guys should all tune in to after enjoying this one. Uh, but yeah, Calais Campbell and Derek Wolf need to step it up. And I think this, like, a, that's, that's what I was saying. This is a culmination of a lot of things that the Ravens have been pushing for and trying to break through the break through that little block. And I think this is the game they do it because this is a game Calais Campbell can take down a right guard. This is a game that Matt Judon can blow through a right tackle. This is a game that there could be a lot of success found. But I do agree with your point that this isn't going to be a Marcus Mariota 11-sack game. Joe Burrow is too smart for that, unlike Mariota, who was refusing to throw it away in that game a couple years back. But even with him being so cerebral, his mental fortitude isn't going to be able to handle that many big guys in his face for 30-plus minutes of offensive possession if they get 30 minutes of it. And... uh they have the weapons, like Jake was saying, like you were saying. They have a great rushing, you know, uh, tailback. They have some weapons in the receiving game, but overall, I just don't see them being able to outmatch and outclass the Ravens' star-loaded defense. Yeah, twenty-sixth in total offensive DVOA for Cincinnati versus ninth in the league for the Ravens, which is, uh, I think, it's even probably a little. Um, sort of downgraded after that Kansas City game, which, you know, they played poorly in that, but to me that's kind of a throwaway game, and maybe they're even a little bit better in ninth and efficiency. Obviously, the numbers don't bear it out, but that's just kind of the way I feel. And, I mean, that offensive DVOA, I think it's certainly low, and I've only fully watched their their Jaguars game, and uh, I've managed to kept catch clips of them on the red zone and stuff, but even when they're not hitting on all cylinders like they haven't been in some games, like they had that weird tie against the Eagles and uh, the loss against the Browns, it looked rough at times. They do have some weapons, man. I mean, A.J. Green is probably your third best wide receiver right now. Like, that's pretty solid. And, like, the guy's not what he used to be, certainly. He's a little bit older, a little injury hobbled, but he's still really good. You got T. Higgins coming in as a rookie looking like what I was kind of describing as, like, my ideal version of Miles Boykin. Had a couple really nice catches against the Jaguars, catches and runs, really athletic kid. Tyler Boyd is still a beast. Ravens fans know all about him. Alden Tate, I don't know if he is injured or something, whatever. But like they have been a little bit of run. But yeah, he's he would probably he, he might be this if he was on the Ravens, would he be the third best receiver? He'd be rotating receiver? in at least. Yeah, he he's good. Yeah. Um, I think they still have Eifert. Is that correct? Uh, they're using Sample, who's a young tight end. He's making some plays as well. Drew Sample, yeah. yeah. So yeah, like I mean, and then fucking Joe Mixon and Gio Bernard in the in the backfield. Joe Mixon had a massive, massive, massive game last week, three touchdowns. So they got weapons all over the place, man. They just got to get that offensive line together next year, and I think they're going to be flirting with 10 wins, honestly. Yeah, I think it, with a with a mid, mid-level, a mid-grade uh, offensive line, they would probably have a top-10 offense. Mixon has hurt the Ravens in the past, and I think they're better equipped to deal with him now with Queen. But... A lot of weapons. I think the the top four receivers on this team stack up against pretty much any other team. Kyle, what do you think about their offense just as a whole uh, unit? 
yeah, Mixon had a pop-off game, like you guys were saying. I had to look it up because I couldn't quite remember the stats, but 25 carries, 151 rushing yards. He caught all six targets thrown his way for another 30 yards and a touchdown through the through the air, and he had two on the ground. Uh, he is a dynamo of a running back, and just like you guys were saying, there are, there are a couple pieces at the offensive line from being a, a real monster in the AFC North. I think this is the year... This year is is similar to what the Browns had last year without all of the hype. It was just that they just they have all this talent. It's about shoring it up. It's about getting the offensive line together to being able to produce like the Cleveland Browns are doing this year with Nick Chubb before he was injured, and they still are doing so with Kareem Hunt. They have a strong offensive line with two of the best backs in the NFL. That's very similar to what we can see from Joe Burrow with some good offensive weapons and a couple of running backs that are capable of handling the rock. Yeah, and I mean, I think the supporting cast efficiency for them is a player profiler thing. I think it was near the bottom of the league. So I think a lot of that is probably their offensive line that hurts them a little bit. But the weapons are legit, man, and it does kind of make me curious. We talk about Houston being a, a potential landing spot for a Greg Roman or Eric Bieniemy. It feels like maybe Zach Taylor's like a lame duck, and in that situation, I think this is another spot you got to keep an eye on for those guys as well. I'm not sold on Taylor. Um, he just makes a lot of questionable decisions. The first three weeks, he would not pass the ball to Mixon. He would put Bernard in on – I mean, Bernard was taking a lot of snaps away from Mixon. Mixon, some people that I really value their opinion think he's the most talented running back in the entire NFL. If he he's was on a different team, he would be outproducing Derrick Henry, whoever, Dalvin Cook, all those guys. Uh, Taylor, he got the job because he knew McVay, right? Well, McVay's offense eventually got shut down, and then this year he he made a lot of adjustments. I don't think Taylor necessarily has that capability like McVay does. Yeah, he got hired in that uh, weird next Sean McVay wave that the uh, league was seeing, and probably one of the worst examples of that uh, happening. So, yeah, interesting, interesting situation there with Taylor. Um, uh, do you have any thoughts on him so far, Kyle, whether he's going to be out of here? What do you think? I don't think he's out of here. He gets this year at least, and he, he's likely going to – going to get next year with the argument of what we were just saying is that he's got his quarterback. You got to let him have two years to establish that and work toward it and build upon what they've already found is successful. Um, but I do agree that you can't be giving Gio Bernard these, these snaps over Mixon. Mixon's a, like I said, he's a monster and he's damn good at his, at, at playing football. And that's who you got to give the rock to. Uh, and, also agree that if you were putting him with a better offensive line, if you're putting him with the Cowboys, if you're putting him with the Titans, he probably outproduces Zeke. He probably outproduces Henry. He produces, you know, even Cook, all those guys, because he is a fine tailback in the NFL. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, you know, if they can get that offensive line together and get a little bit of a defense together, I do think Taylor will ultimately be sticking around because, if Mike Brown has shown anything, he's shown that he will keep a coach around no matter what is happening. Feels like he's probably not even watching the game sometimes, which is kind of sick. Good for you, Mike. Keep enjoying your life. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's that's the Bengals offense. I mean, I guess we can switch over to the defense. Guys have given your thoughts already on Geno Atkins. We know that guy's an absolute dog. But how do you feel about like their run defense? So I'm in a spot where I feel like this is a, a lot of people are looking for that big bounce back game from Lamar. And if he's dealing with the sniffles or whatever and he's got the leg injury, I'm kind of in the camp where, like, maybe let's not worry about getting the passing game going too much. Let's just run the ball down their throats. You saw James Robinson on Jacksonville have a massive game against them. How do you feel about uh, the offensive approach here? Um, I agree with that plan. They're, average, they're allowing 4.9 yards per carry, which is the seventh worst in the league. Even after signing their big acquisition was nose tackle DJ Reader. They signed him away from the Texans. That could improve a little bit with Atkins, but their linebackers are the Achilles heel of that defense, much like the offensive line is of their offense. I think they need to attack. Get the uh, Roman needs to get the use the option game, use the motions, um, and just get the defensive line flowing in one direction because they are tough to block that first wave. But if you can get into the second level and make some one-on-one opportunities with those linebackers, Dobbins and Gus. And Ingram could really have a big day. I think that's the key to attacking their defense for sure because uh, their, their DBs are pretty good and their D-line can definitely hold their own, but the linebackers are where you target. Yeah, and I'm glad that you mentioned One Direction there, one of Kyle's absolute favorite bands that he's always talking about in the Slack chats. But 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, you got um. <laughs> oh, oh, that was a quick one. I didn't even have anything for this. Jesus. All right. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you know, you got 21st in uh, DVOA against the run for their defense, 10th against the pass, I believe. So they're pretty opportunistic. They bat balls around. They did against the Jaguars early in the game. You had a batted ball, I think, and then I forget who jumped on it, but uh, they're opportunistic at the very least. Kyle, what do you make of this defense? I mean, you know all about batting balls, so of course I'm going <laughs> to... Now, now we're having fun. Now now we're firing <laughs> shots at each other. But yeah, run the ball. Run the fucking ball and give it to Gus early. Tire them out early instead of salting the game away with him. I know it's like, oh, by the end, they're so tired they can't stop this fresh tailback, but... I'm also of the camp that if you bully the shit out of them for 60 minutes, like the Ravens did for 16 games last season, you get the rushing yards early. Switch it up. Give Gus the ball early. Give J.K. Dobbins the ball late. Watch him burn off the field because they don't have the energy anymore after fighting through this physical offense for that long. Bully them. That's what the that's what the Browns did on I believe it was Thursday Night Football a couple weeks back. Hurt them. Make them not want to enjoy this game. Make them want to go home. Who on this side of the ball for their defense scares you guys? For me, I'd say Atkins, probably number one. Jesse Bates is playing pretty well at safety. Anyone else that you guys would point to? Bates, uh, he's a certified ball hawk. Our former colleague Logan loved him, loved him, loved him when he was coming out of weight. Uh, Jackson's a pretty good corner. He's got decent ball skills. Dunlap can play. I mean, he's definitely given the Ravens problems uh, up against the right tackles through the years. Uh, but Bates and Atkins are probably the two guys you key on, I think. Yeah, that's where I was going to go for both of these. I'm looking up different players just because uh, I, I had those both keyed in. I mean, we could be fearful of Josh Bynes, former Raven. He might have all the inside info <laughs> and be able to sabotage the entire game. You know, that could be it. Getting, um, getting some getting some buzz as a guy who's kind of helped as a, a veteran presence there in that linebacking core that's a little young. Yeah. Um, also there is, uh, Sam Hubbard. Has he, has he done anything this season? I haven't checked. I don't have any stats pulled he's up. He's just like, a five. Te- he's just a five tech. He's more like your, your base run plugger type. He's not necessarily a pass rusher. Gotcha. Yeah. Then there's nothing. Cause I just, I just see the name and I have name recognition. I actually don't know enough about him, but I'm not too scared. I'm looking over this, this defensive roster and I'm not scared of anybody outside of Geno Atkins and Jesse Bates. Cool. Well, we've hit the offense. We've hit the defense. Kyle, a quick word on this uh, special teams unit here before we get our predictions in. Special teams, my friends. Fat Randy Bullock can kick field goals, but he can't kick them. Kenny, though? He can't kick them like Justin Tucker. He just can't do it. Let's see, Randy. Uh, what's he done this season? What's well, he, he had the miss in Week One that cost him yeah. overtime. So there, how many that. extra points were missed last last weekend? I, like, I must have seen like seven or eight extra points were missed. They oh, come in. They come in waves. Like one guy misses one, and then the rest of the league just like finds out. It's like, oh, I guess we're missing yeah, this. Like, unbelievable! Oh, I can't do what that guy does, and he does it. Yeah, the the kicking is proving to be even more valuable this year than in past seasons. I I, I believe that's fair to say, and it's become apparent. And I very much enjoy it because this is stuff that you guys know I I greatly appreciate writing about and have a joy for writing about and caring about. So, yeah, um, Randy Bullock, he's all right. Uh, He's not 7 for 7 Sam Cooke. He's not Justin Tucker. Not even Morgan Cox. So (laughs) Ravens got this, buddy. Give him the edge. Give JT the edge. You got to Tucker that Cox and – cock you know what i'm saying <laughs> i certainly don't know what you're saying <laughs> off the rails right now <laughs> off the rails boys all right well now that it's uh you know like we're all hopped up on caffeine here even though we're certainly <laughs> certifiably not i guess it's time to jump into the prediction corner that was a quick 50 minutes boys ostensibly the uh first hour here of what is going to be kind of a two-hour radio situation we got going on Voss, what is your pick for Bengals at ravens I think this is a Mark Andrews game. Ravens tight ends have been abusing the Bengals uh, since Dennis Pitta had two good hips. I mean, it's been a long time. And the Bengals are mid-level this year, but I don't think they've faced a tough tight end. I think the Ravens are going to run the ball very well. And I think, fortunately, they do have the corners to match up with all the Bengals' 
uh, arsenal of wideouts. So I'm going to say the Ravens by 10. The Demon Barber of uh, Fort Collins. What do you got? Ravens. We got them. Minus 14. We're taking it. We're taking the over on that, folks. We believe it. The Ravens are going to buzzsaw. Mark Andrews is going to, for the third time this season, score two touchdowns in a game. Vass believes it. I believe it. Probably means it won't come true, but we believe in it anyways. And, yeah, with the run game looking like it is, and if they're going to lean on them with with Jackson being a little hobbled on the knee, he's going to do a lot more of the uh, of the handing off to the running backs instead of the keepers. And overall, this, this one's going to be put away by the third quarter, and we're going to see our good old friend, Bobbert Griffin III, in the fourth. Any score prediction? Ooh, score prediction. Hmm. Uh, 35 to 24. No, no, 21 would be 14, right? Yeah, 35 17. I'll give it 35 17. I think that's a good one. They'll, they'll probably get a touchdown out of mix in, they'll probably get one through the air or some weird thing or another short two touchdowns from the ground game. And then, uh, fat Randy will hit one of two. Yeah, folks, take the over in Baltimore, minus 14. Love those picks. And to get the rest of my picks, you can call my line at 1-800-CAMO-PICKS. You're going to be giving them out on that line for a uh, nominal fee. Uh, but, yeah, that's life as a tout here. Uh, yeah, so for me, um, yeah, I'm kind of feeling an Andrews game, too. He had a big one last week. Uh, and this is, in fact, a 1 p.m. game against the Cincinnati Bengals, which is when Mark Andrews gets gets that uh, mojo going. He makes big catches over the middle. He does the little salt bay signs. So going to be seeing a lot of that. Going to get in the end zone at least once. I'm going to go Ravens 34, Cincinnati Bungles 16. A little bit of a weird score. Backdoor cover. Backdoor cover, folks. Check out my podcast. <laughs> Backdoor <laughs> cover. When I was recording the uh, the voice for the – the new show that we're doing which folks by the way should tune in after finishing this one uh i did like a jim rome voice for the first Rome's one when I, was, when I was doing the intro and i was like yeah we gotta cut and fix that i gotta i gotta come in with a little bit less what, so what are we calling the show again the new show is gonna be host chief and deputy host chief deputy tune in I did like that. gonna it be taking that. a fax now Kyle. Host, chief and deputy got caught more beatdown podcast network and i was like i cannot believe i just did that for my first record on that get this dude back to chino hills kyle in san bernardino calling in (laughs) we got the greek freak voss calling in (laughs) from lutherville ridiculous (laughs) this is what that podcast was last week what do you got my man if you listen to it it was like 40 minutes of this shit (laughs) (laughs) i bet you won't call me chris again oh i bet i will chris that's Larry goes up there in Maryland, taking it down, wearing the purple jacket. In the, got the headphones on, and the focus is in. He's got the touch of gray going because he is what we like to call a silver fox. Voss, what do you got? <laughs> uh, I can't do. I can't do impressions. I only have like I can only do Cuban. That's the only impression I have. Just consider yourself a normal person because we certainly are not. <laughs> Bass is still the adult in the room. This is good. <laughs> just trying to corral these like two little idiots running around the playpen. We're <laughs> the chief editor. It's the one that we <laughs> in every time. <laughs> Appreciate it, Bass. Thanks. <laughs> Face hurts from laughing so much. <laughs> All right. So I guess we got our picks in, and that is a show, fellas. You got anything else before we get out of here? Make sure, as always, to tune into the podcast, download, subscribe. I will forever pump the tires of Jake and Spenny. Please follow them on social. But as for everything else, subscribe and download these episodes. It helps pay their bills. It's a team effort, folks. Be a part of it. When wishing, uh, wishing Spencer a speedy recovery. Absolutely. Absolutely. Our guy is uh, fighting his way through this thing, and uh, he is going to pull through with flying colors and be back on here to give his colorful takes uh, we miss him very much, and uh, we hope you're listening and enjoying this very much, buddy, in your fight against the COVID. 
Uh, but yeah, in the meantime, really appreciate you two gentlemen joining me for this on a little bit of a last minute thing. We were already planning on recording the second hour, but, uh, appreciate your great insight into this one. Gave me an hour of good content as you boys always do. And Voss, where can they find you on the social medias and, uh, your work? At Vasilis Beatdown, V-A-S-I-L-I-S Beatdown, and obviously Baltimore Beatdown website. Kyle Boober, where can they find you? At BB underscore Kyle P. Barber for Twitter. And outside of that, you can find my work and my wonderful staff's work at BaltimoreBeatdown.com. Ridiculous. You can follow me at Jake Luke. That's L O U Q U E. Follow the show on Twitter at Podcast Beatdown. Follow the main Twitter account at Be More Beatdown. Kind of split between Kyle and I there as far as uh, who's shooting out tweets on that bad boy. But uh, in the meantime, really appreciate everyone tuning in for what is ostensibly the first hour of uh, our little radio lineup that we got going on here today. Going to be releasing this one in the morning and then going over to the uh, new show, which the name is again escaping me, but it'll be fine. Uh, in the afternoon, going to be releasing them in a couple different time slots. So stay tuned for that this afternoon if you can't get enough of these three annoying voices. And uh, we will talk to you guys again very soon. Whoop, whoop. Peace. Stay frosty. All right, thanks a lot. Appreciate you guys. See you later. All right, God bless. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs>